What is up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of X Knows All. It's so good to be back on the microphone talking to you guys directly. I know I was MIA last week, as most of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, which by the way, please fucking follow me. I have less than a thousand followers and I'm less than 50 people away from 1000. And if I'm going to thirst out this fucking hard, you guys have to help support me. I had a fucking crazy past two weeks. I don't even know where to begin and I feel like I had to record somewhat of an emergency episode seeing as Selena Gomez's My Mind and Me documentary just came out as well as Aaron Carter's sudden tragic passing that occurred yesterday, Saturday, November 5th. I am recording this in the afternoon on Sunday, November 6th and I feel like just a lot of things have been coming up for me emotionally and it it's no surprise that there's like all these other things occurring like outside in the pop culture sphere that's making me like lean into the emotions even more. So I figured, you know what, rather than recording a normal episode as I usually do with covering a single celebrity, I'm just kind of going to snowball into two separate segments. Well, two separate celebrity related segments. And then I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent about myself personally, because you know, it's all about me because it is my podcast. What do you know? So I'm going to begin with talking about Selena Gomez's My Mind and Me documentary, because it just released this week and many a person DM'd me because all of you know that listen to the show that I'm a Selenator. I'm a Selena stan. I've been a fan ever since like literally 2011 when she released who says and uh who says who says you're not perfect you know what i mean that first note was really aggressive i apologize um and love you like a love song like those were such my jams and i was such a believer back in the day uh side note me and my friend andrea as well as me and my friend morgan we saw him live in concert at a free concert and then I bought tickets to the Hollywood Palladium. I did a meet and greet with him and he wasn't even like 14 years old. We were literal like pedophiles. It was so fucking weird. But I was a believer before anyone else was and of course because I was such a hardcore believer stan, I in turn was very into Selena Gomez and I've been a fan ever since. So needless to say when the documentary dropped it was much anticipated, but for me, like I was really excited to see what exactly she was offering because I think a lot of her life is, it's definitely shown throughout the public eye, but I think if you're listening to this show, I can almost bet that you do know her blind item past, you know about her alleged drug abuse, her alcohol abuse, um, all the shit that she went through with depression and anxiety, which she's very open about, but I think the general public doesn't know much about what you and I know about Selena Gomez. So I was really curious when the documentary released, would she be willing to go there? And I will say I was about 50% shocked at the material that, that she released. And we'll get into it in the actual meat of the episode. But first, I do want to unpack the Selena Gomez documentary because I do have a lot of comments on it. Some critiques, um, some things that I really loved about it. I also want to go into the episode talking about Aaron Carter's death and celebrity deaths unfortunately happen frequently enough to where it's kind of like we see it occurring every few years and there's always like one celebrity that death that really shakes you to your core and I think for me nothing has really shaken me up as much as this Aaron Carter death and I'll get into it a little bit a little bit more and why it made me feel so weird. But after the Aaron Carter bit, 
I'm going to talk about my young my yoga retreat that I took in Tulum, which is why I didn't record an episode last week. I'll kind of walk you guys through the yoga retreat because a few of you were interested in what exactly, like what program I was on, which studio do I go with? Did I go with friends? Did I go solo? Things like that. I'll also fill you in on like just some fun tea that happened for me on the last night. It was like such a fun night and I can't believe I'm even going to like disclose everything that happened because it's low-key kind of like not safe for work, but you guys are basically my friends at this point, so I'll, I'll divulge as much as I feel comfortable with. And then finally, I'm just going to like touch a bit on what I've been alluding to this entire past week on Instagram. It's just been overall a really heavy week, I think, for a lot of people. And I don't know what exactly is in the air. I'm into an astrology. I'm into astrology, but very much in a way that surface level like I don't know when constellations are like shifting in a certain way and I don't really understand fully what mercury and retrograde really means and I just know my star my moon and my rising signs and I know like the overall stereotypes of every astrological sign but I'm not that attuned to like astrology to begin with but based on my discussions with other folks who are very much into the astrology world it seems like this week has the past couple of weeks not just this past week but this week has been really hard for a lot of people, not just myself. And there's just like one particular reason why I've been so just like feeling down on myself. And so I'm just going to speak to that in this open form. I think it's going to be really therapeutic for me to just talk about it. And hopefully one or two of you or many of you can relate to what it is I'm going through because I think it's really common um, at this age to feel like you're not, you know, you're uncertain about certain relationships or you're going through a lot of life changes. Like for me, I've mentioned I have a new job. So there's just like a lot of things in flight for me that aren't my typical normal thing. And I'm just trying to navigate it as best I can over the past couple of weeks. And thankfully, this podcast has been such a good reprieve for me to have a constant, like as honestly as stressful as it is to come on here on a weekly basis and you know, research, write the episode, record the episode, edit the episode, market it on Instagram, along with like my fucking 12 hour a day job. It brings me, and again, I, I really try to not sound like I'm complaining because I'm, I'm not, I love doing this. And the reason I'm doing this for basically no money is because I get to connect with all of you, all 950 of you that follow me on Instagram, but no, for real, my like listenership is far higher. So I know that there are people that listen to it and they do care about what I have to say about random pop culture tidbits. So thank you for joining me along. This is by far the most fulfilling, most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. Like as it pertains to like a hobby or something that is making me money, albeit it's a very small sum of money. But this is something that really brings me a lot of joy. And I think as tough as it can be and how stressful as it can be, I feel like a lot of I feel good knowing that I can put out something and you guys can resonate with it. So with that being said, let's dive straight into the episode. So to begin, I'm going to say that if you haven't listened to my first ever episode of Exynosol and Selena Gomez, I highly recommend that you pause this episode to go back because I think a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about on today's episode discusses a lot of what I already discussed on episode one. So For those of you that don't know, I had tickets to the VMAs back in, let's see, what year was it? It was 2011. So it's a really like easy thing to get to these events. Oftentimes things like VMAs, BBMAs, 
American Idol, The Voice, they need seed fillers, right? So it's really easy for you to get these seeds off of this website called oneiota.com. I don't know if that's still a thing because this, the last time I used their services was like literally almost a decade ago, but you can just sign up for free to be a seat filler and you can attend these events and meet celebrities. So I used to do that a lot. Most of you don't know that when I was in a freshman in college, me and my best friend Morgan, we were an extra in Justin Bieber's baby VMA performance. And it was a two day affair. We had to go and rehearse with Justin on like, I think it was a Saturday and then the Sunday that the VMAs happened, we had to go back and drive to LA. We honestly, what people don't tell you is that most of these events, you're just waiting for hours and hours and hours and hours with basically no food. The one time that I did actually receive food was when I was at the Bachelor in Paradise after the final rose taping with my three friends. Shout out to Angie, Danielle, and Jenna. All four of us flew down to LA from San Francisco and we attended a live taping of the Bachelor in Paradise reunion. That was the one event where we got a lot of food and drinks, but they're very strict on what they allow inside. So with the Justin Bieber performance, it was very much, they gave you like a bag of Doritos and they're like, good luck, wait under this fucking tent for another six hours. It was miserable. But all that to say, I've been to like a lot of these live MTV events. And the one year that I went to the VMAs, me and my friend Kat were on the red carpet and everyone was was trying to get to like the front of the line. And I told Kat, I'm like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the very back of the red carpet to the very end when the celebrities are done being photographed by the paparazzi and then they can start talking to us. So sure enough, we got the best seat in the house at the end of the red carpet. I literally saw every celebrity under the sun. You name it, we saw them. Beyonce, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Justin. I mean, everyone you can think of. The Jersey Shore cast was huge in 2011, so we met them. Uh, Tyler, the creator, Dylan O'Brien like it was just it was one of the craziest star-studded events I've ever attended and I'll probably do an episode separately on it but at that time I think Justin Bieber was hosting or maybe it was Selena was hosting the VMAs pre-party so she was making her way around the entire stage throughout the evening when we were attending this red carpet event and I went up to her and I was like Selena I love you so much love me love you like a love song is my jam like it really means a lot to me, like all your, all of your music. And she was super gracious and thanked me. And she was just as cute as a button. I also took a picture with Justin Bieber. It was dead ass, like my third time meeting him. Because as I mentioned earlier in the episode, me and my friend went to the Hollywood Palladium. And we did meet and greet tickets. So I've met Justin Bieber at this time, like so many fucking times. It's embarrassing. But anyways, that was my first and only time meeting Selena Gomez. And honestly, if I were to meet her today, I would like break down in tears because I fucking love her so much. And I've always loved her. I think that said, let's just keep in mind before I dive into the meat and potatoes of the pod of the documentary and what it felt like for me. I want to talk at a very high level of the positive and positives and negatives. And the reason I bring up my standhoods for Selena is that my opinions are I will very much admit are very much based in bias for my love for Selena. So if you don't like my opinion and you hate her, then this probably isn't the episode for you, but please keep an open mind because I'm trying to feel out both sides of why some people could say, oh, this documentary was not as good as I expected or some people could say I really loved it. I'm trying to see both sides when I dive into it. So at a high level, the positives. I really like that Selena opened up more about her mental health struggle, particularly her admittance into the mental, mental ward. And I really enjoyed I don't know if enjoyed is the right word I really appreciated 
her admitting to how horrible she was to her family for a period of time when she was going through her psychosis. I do know a couple of people in my life that have gone to mental health facilities. And as Lena said, when you go into psychosis, you do not even recognize who you are because your brain is not telling you facts. You're living in this delusion, essentially. And the people I know who have been admitted to the mental hospitals, you would never even think twice because they seem so put together, so normal and cool. But the, the thing is, you just never know what people are struggling with and how mental health and psychosis and psychological breakdowns, breakthroughs can happen to literally everyone, even the most famous celebrity of all time, obviously, as well as the normal person from your life at work that you wouldn't ever expect. I really just loved her transparency about, yeah, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was a fucking dick to my family, and I was admitted to a mental health hospital because I was a danger to myself. The negatives. I disliked how the documentary kind of skated over between the years of 2016 to 2019. I loved how the documentary kind of was flipping from present day to 2016 to her rehearsing for her revival tour and I was like oh this is so great we're gonna see Selena completely like bearing it all right we're gonna see her struggles and her demise with Justin between the years of 2016 to 2019 all that but it it felt like they kind of just went over a period of time that was vastly important to what led to her mental health struggle and to her breakdown the documentary starts out with her talking about being picked apart being super self-conscious when the revival tour began my question is like, what other events led to that? There was so much going on in her life at that time between, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. Her relationship with the Car Jenners that I talked about in episode one. Her allegedly being poached by Chris to manage her. Her demise with Kylie and Kendall because they were allegedly texting or sexting Justin Bieber behind Selena's back while at the same time pretending to be her friend. She also had an insane alleged drug use while she was dating Justin. Frankly, the weekend too, even years later when they started dating. There's that seedy-ass video of them walking through Skid Row, allegedly trying to buy drugs. Her and Justin, I mean, not The weekend. There's her public bouts of public inebriation and her being such a tabloid celebrity during that height of her career with Justin. And it, it just feels like any other person at her age, at that point in her life, with all the access and the money of the world, you can't really blame her for the alleged drug use or alleged alcohol abuse that she was undergoing at the time I just think of okay if we all videotaped ourselves when we were 23 24 25 it would be an absolute shit show like I was when I first lived in San Francisco I was a fucking hot ass mess but that's what makes your 20s your 20s and it's fine but it's it just made me a little bit it made me feel like we were being slighted a bit for not seeing that element of her life leading up to 2019 with her breakdown so her struggles with body image in her 2016 revival tour, she talked about how she, you know, her body wasn't good enough. She didn't feel good in the costume. She felt like her body was like a little boy. I watched her Zane Lowe interview on Apple Plus TV after the documentary was released. And if you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, you can go ahead and watch the interview. It's like a 30 minute interview. I love Zane Lowe's interviews. I think that unlike, oh my God, this is such a tangent. Shannon from Fluently Forward talks about how horrendous Alex Cooper's interview skills are on Call Her Daddy because the way that she fluctuates or inflexes her voice, it's so leading. Like she'll be like, how did you feel when Justin was with Haley? Like she just, the way that she enunciates her, her questions, it's not like she's trying to converse or have a dialogue with the person. It's just like she's trying to bounce from one question to the next and it doesn't feel organic. And people, 
people shit on Joe Rogan, say what you want about Joe Rogan, but people like Joe Rogan, they converse and interview guests to where it doesn't seem like an interview. It just seems like a sh- you're shooting the shit type of conversation. I think that's where you get to like the actual depth of a person is just making them feel comfortable. And I think that Zane Lowe does a really good job in interviewing celebrities and making them feel comfortable in a way that it just seems more of a fluid dialogue rather than just like interview question, bullet point, interview question, bullet point. So in her Zane Lowe interview, she attributes her bad self-image to people that she was surrounding herself with at the time. She said something to the effect of like, someone in her life at the time was making comments about her body, telling her that she needed to look better, that her tour was lame, that she was trying to put off someone that she really wasn't. And she said it was happening all the time and that it was abusive. People on Reddit were speculating that the person that was making her feel all these things was actually Justin and he was the one that was instilling all these negative self-doubts in her mind. By the way that I watched and listened to the Zane Lowe interview, I assumed that she was talking about someone like in her team. Because I feel like sometimes teams can be your own worst enemy. They can push things that aren't necessarily healthy for the artist. Like, for example, the first person that comes to mind is Zed. Not Zed. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Avicii. And if you watch Avicii's documentary on Netflix, his team is pushing, pushing, pushing for him to go on tour. And okay, Avicii, you're going to be in Barcelona. Then the next day, you're going to go to Madrid. And then you're going to go to Paris. And then you're going to go to Brussels. And then, by the way, you're going to go back to Paris because they wouldn't want you to perform in Normandy. Like, they were overwhelming him with tour dates. It it was very clear to anyone with half a brain that Avicii was not ready to take on any tour dates because he was still struggling very much with his addiction. So my mind went there where I was like, okay, maybe Selena's team was pushing her or making her seem like she wasn't good enough. But when I was seeing this speculation on Reddit, I'm like, oh shit, was it Justin that was making her feel like that about herself, about her body, about her performance, about her, who she was as a solo artist outside of Justin? It made me really curious and wonder, but to be honest, when you see videos of Justin Bieber with Hailey Bieber, it's not any surprise that he maybe could have said those things like, oh, Selena, you're not good enough. Or, oh, Selena, you're putting off this vibe that you really aren't and you're trying too hard and you're just like, you're still a Disney kid, like based on the things that I've seen Justin do towards Haley today, can you imagine him like seven years ago and when he was even younger and less mature, what he probably said to Selena? It actually wouldn't surprise me that he was saying these things and how it was literally verbal abuse. Moving on to Selena's stint at the mental hospital, she discussed how mentally ill that she was and how she kept trying to reiterate to her friends if only you could picture what it was like inside of my mind. And holy shit, that resonated with me so hard, even replaying that or saying that back again. It just gives me chills. And I I talk about this on my Instagram, and I talked about this like pretty deliberately and blatantly to some of you that DM'd me, but I have these thoughts so much too. And this is a bit like vulnerable for me to even be speaking about this, but sometimes like my mind and the things that my mind will tell me and the things that I feel about myself are so negative and so poor that it's hard for me to even articulate to my closest friends what that feeling is like. For example, the past week when I was going through it, I called two of like my best friends and I was sobbing to them and I was like, I wish that I just didn't feel this way. And their response is always like, I don't even know where this is coming from. Like, why are you feeling this way? This is so insane to me. Things that you're saying are so untrue. But all that to say, the reason I felt so 
empathetic towards Selena was just like her telling her friends like if only you could understand what my mind was telling me and the things that I was truly believing it's difficult for me to even convey those thoughts because my mind is just telling me it's so real right now and I don't know it just like really hit home for me and I just I love her vulnerability and her willingness to kind of go there because it's really it's really scary to admit that to friends and them not understanding or them being like this is so crazy to me I don't understand why you think this way and it's like I don't either but my mind is telling me that's the case so I mean this is just like a larger subject but I think that if it even makes someone like myself at 31 who's done a lot of like self-work and has been in therapy and is very like open and very expressive like if it resonated with me I can only imagine how much it's helping young women young men who are watching this documentary and feeling like I'm not the only one whose mind is against me I give a lot of respect for her for for going there when she talks about being so angry with her parents and how she wishes that she could take it all back and how she knows in her parents' heart of hearts they knew that wasn't really her talking. It was the psychosis that was overcoming her. That was so, it made me hurt so much for her because you could see the pain that she felt just putting her parents through that. She's like, the things that I told my stepdad and that I told my mom, it, it, brings up like trauma for me to even relive that and it's like how many times have you been upset and you take it out and lash on the people that love you the most like the worst fucking fights are those that I've been in with my sister or like my best friend or just saying things that are just so wrong and mean and how you wish you could take it all back but when you're in that space it's really hard to take a step back and be like oh shit that was really mean I I think it all that to say I think it's just very brave of her to just be admitting all these things and I I love that she's destigmatizing things like psychosis or being admitted into a mental a mental ward it's not even like PC to say a mental ward I just love that she's breaking down these barriers and making it seem like it's so not it shouldn't be hush hush because unless you grew up with a perfect upbringing no one bullied you no one made you feel like shit ever in your life I'm willing to bet that you can resonate at least a little bit with our minds telling us that we're something that we're not and it makes me feel like we can me even having this conversation and going on my microphone and talking about this is because I felt like she gave me the platform to speak about it and how her struggles resonate with me so I really love her and respect her for all of that Going on to her nod to the American Music Awards and how horrible that performance was, I noticed that when she was rehearsing and she couldn't get it together, my sister and I were watching it and we're like, we both thought, didn't she seem a little bit high? I don't know if she was high on like pot or if she had taken like a Vicodin or what exactly she was on, but she could barely, homegirl could barely open her her eyes. And again, if you listen to my deep dive on Selena on episode one, I posted a video of her absolutely fucked up on the red carpet ahead of her performance, stumbling all over the place. If you scroll down to the very beginning of my Instagram, that video will be there. It's her in the yellow kind of bandeau top dress with like a short bob cut. The reaction and her being at this way at the AMAs makes so much more sense now, watching the documentary and understanding the place that she was in. She was so, she was coming up at like the top of her game. She had like the her best song ever it was charting on the billboard music uh billboard music charts like never before she had really seen like true success in the music industry but she felt so insecure about needing to perform after being away from the spotlight 
for a couple of years. And honestly, I remember watching the AMA performance and thinking, this feels adjacent to Britney Spears' Gimme More performance in like 2007 when she was, her hair was a fucking mess. She was like literally on drugs performing at the MTV VMAs and everyone was like laughing back then and they were like, this is so goddamn funny that Britney has really had this fall from grace. But watching Britney Spears' performance of Give Me More, you could tell it's actually like kind of a liability that they even let her perform on stage like that like looking like when you were a kid and you didn't know any better you're like oh this is so funny she's so like fucked up but watching this now as an adult I'm like how irresponsible of her team and of MTV to allow her to get up on stage knowing she was under the influence high and could have tripped and fallen and really hurt herself or worse who's to say it the AMA performance for Selena almost felt adjacent to that not only in just the way that she was singing because her voice was so off-key but also just her dancing. She just seemed like a mannequin. And I remember people saying that was the year that Taylor did her AMA's performance. And they were like, you know, Taylor had bought, brought out Halsey and Camila Cabello. I fucking hate Camila. But she had brought out all these people, but she didn't bring Selena. And people were speculating on Reddit. Like, maybe Taylor thinks that Selena's a liability. And that's why she's not bringing her out for this, like, monumental Taylor performance. Because she knows Selena's too fuck up, fucked up to perform. And she's going to ruin Taylor's night. I could totally see that. But anyway, all that to say, it totally makes sense why she flopped because she it seemed like she was so goddamn nervous to put herself out there and to, might you know, maybe she felt nervous to speak about the Justin of it all, not explicitly saying his name, but singing about it. She probably just felt so many emotions and I can't even, I can't even imagine how hard that was for her. It makes me feel a lot more sympathetic to that performance and not as judgmental as I once was. I want to also point out that a lot of people on Reddit were saying that this documentary was somewhat of a nod of romanticizing depression. Someone said on Reddit that there were a lot of shots when she would wake up in bed and she said that, oh, I feel like shit. But she had an entire entourage of people surrounding her bedroom to literally lift her up. Someone said, which I found to be a really good point, that most people don't have a team of support at every waking moment there to reassure you how great you are when you're feeling like shit. And obviously it doesn't, it's not to take away from Selena's mental health struggle or her experience, but celebrities as famous as Selena truly just live in a different world. They live in their own bubbles. And I think it's, I think it's a good point. I think it's, it's, it's a thoughtful discussion to be had. I believe that when I'm going through bouts of feeling really sad or I don't really lend myself to like necessarily depression. It's more so I'm like such a high functioning anxious person that when I feel anxious, I need to do, 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 whether that's running errands, um, working over the weekend, uh, writing an episode, uh, cleaning my house. Like I, I need to do things. Otherwise my mind can't sit still. I think that's how I, if you know, I'm like feeling a certain kind of way, I'll just be keeping myself very busy. I think that for a lot of people, and I know a lot of my friends suffer with this too, and myself included at times when I'm not, you know, my mind's not running rapidly. When you're in bed and you can't get up out of bed, you don't have people up there encouraging you that you're doing a great job, that you're an everything of the sort kind of girl. And I think to an extent, I can see where people are coming from when they say that this documentary could in fact be romanticizing depression and that we as normal lay people don't have the tools or the money to get access to the best care possible. Thankfully, I have a solid job with really good health insurance that can afford really good mental health services. Whereas a lot of normal people 
like myself may not have like an amazing health health plan and they don't have the opportunity to seek out a really fantastic therapist that they jive well with. And that's really sad too. I think we can acknowledge that Selena has a crippling depression, crippling uh, anxiety, crippling lupus that makes her feel physically like shit. And she also has all the help in the world. Both things can exist at the same time. And I think we can acknowledge her experience while acknowledging at the same time that we as normal lay people don't have the team that she does underneath her. One other thing I want to talk about is the parallels between her and Haley. And this is just going to be me being real petty. You can tell from watching this documentary that Selena, above all else, really values genuine connection over anything else. And again, I think this is why I resonate with her so much more than I do so any other celebrity because I think above all else, above my job, about financial security, about anything, it's I value relationships, albeit whether it's platonic, romantic, family, those are the things that make my life the most whole and the most complete. And you can tell that Selena really values those types of connections over everything else and this is again I'm so petty but I really can't imagine Haley having these types of deep and genuine conversations that Selena's having on this documentary I just can't and that's not to say that Haley is not a nice person I don't know enough about Haley Bieber to say she's sweet and empathetic and nice like I'm not saying she's not any of those things I'm just saying that I don't think that her complexity and depth goes nearly a fourth of what Selena's depth can go to and I think that's on guys just being shallow dare I say it I mean, Selena is a fucking gorgeous person. So I'm not even saying that she's not beautiful. I'm just saying that like Haley Bieber is one of those people that you can just tell she's gotten everything handed to her in her life based on her appearance, based on her family, based on the nepotism. I just can't imagine her having, like I couldn't imagine myself drinking wine with Haley Bieber till 4 a.m. talking about trauma and like relationships. I just couldn't. Like Selena, on the other hand, her and I could shoot the shit for hours and hours and hours because she wants to go there. And quite frankly, those are the people that I love the most are people that can go there and can be really uh intuitive and introspective and deep. And that's why all of my friends have problems because we're all a little bit fucked up. And that's what makes you all the more human, all the more like relatable. That being said, I want to switch gears a little bit to Aaron Carter's death. I went to Disneyland yesterday. My sister and I surprised my dad for his birthday. My dad, growing up in in Southern California, we lived really close to Disneyland. So my dad got us passes when we were little kids. In high school, me and all of my friends had passes. So it's very much like a nostalgic place for me to go to. But I haven't gone there. I kid you not. I want to say at least 15 years. So my sister and I thought it would be really nostalgic and fun to get my dad passes. Or to get my dad at like a day pass and to go. So it was really fun. And I was in line for a ride. And my sister goes, Aaron Carter died. And like my whole body literally turned to like, it just froze. I've honestly never had such a visceral reaction to a celebrity death in my life. I don't know what about it, it what it was. Because I haven't been a fan of, I haven't been really following Aaron's career since like he did the na 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 na, come and get it, na na, whatever the fuck. But I, something about him just felt like he was a part of our millennial generation. He was our Justin Bieber. He was our Jesse McCartney before those two guys ever became a thing. Like he, and you always, me as being a Pisces, I've always felt very 
empathetic to what he was going through because he's really gone through hell and back and admittedly I don't follow the blind items I don't know much about what people speculate on the internet as to whether his like the extent of his abuse when he was a child when he was in the industry it's not a surprise that his family dynamic is very fucked up his younger his younger or older one of his sisters passed away like 10 years ago it I used to watch House of Carter back when it was on, I think, MTV or VH1 when they did like an Osborne type show where they would just film the family in a house and you could tell they were clearly like all drugged out. It was just, they were such a messy family and it really makes me sad that his family didn't do enough. And I'm not trying to blame it on Nick or anyone else. It just, I feel like his parents failed him. And we see it time and time again with young celebrities. I've talked about it with Amanda Bynes. I've talked about it with Britney Spears. Thankfully, Hillary Duff was able to have a strong support system as it pertains to her parents, where I think that was truly the reason why she was able to avoid being just another fucked up child star. It all stems from the parents and the boundaries that the parents create for their child star. Because if you acquire that much wealth, that much fame, that much notoriety at such a young age, it is the parent's responsibility, not the child's, to ensure that they're still kept safe and whole. And it makes me fucking angry at his parents that they didn't do enough to protect him from all the bad shit going on in Hollywood all that he was exposed to because they were probably just seeing him as a cash cow similar to what Britney Spears Britney Spears parents did for him so I think that the growing up you know watching Lizzie McGuire watching Hillary Duff's career like literally having Hillary Duff be my life back in the day like that Christmas episode it just I don't know it just makes me feel so sad and I just really wish I don't really have much to say about it other than this has hit me really hard and it's probably because I'm already in my feels and I'm already feeling somewhat a little bit lower the past seven days but I really wish him the peace that he never received when he was living here on planet earth. I want him to be free of all of his demons. I want him to find safety and peace in whatever life that is given to him next and I think that a lot of people too feel the same way. I think watching his demise over the past couple of years on Instagram or TikTok and the things that he's been saying. He's just been truly not well and it's been very clear. I mean, I watched the No Jumper podcast that he was on days before he passed away. I honestly couldn't get myself to watch the full hour and a half because it, it was it felt very disturbing to me if I'm being honest. You could tell he was saying, oh, you know, I've been sober for five years. All the while there's a bunch of weed pens and weed gummies right in front of him on camera uh Adam who's the host of the no jumper podcast was like then why are you drinking weed like what the hell why are you spouting off that you're this like beacon of sobriety and uh for five years all the while you're like drinking cough syrup it just it felt so dark and you could tell that Aaron was just not in a sober state of mind all the while trying to convince you that he was it just felt really horrible and it made me feel really icky so again nothing really else to say but I feel really really sad about it and I hope his family finds the strength to overcome all this trauma um not just with this death but everything that preceded the death and I hope that they as a family can come together and hopefully be a united front which I don't think that they were ahead of this the last thing I'm going to talk about to lighten it up I guess are we gonna lighten it up or probably not because this episode is just kind of depressing but yeah, so I was in Tulum. I was in Tulum last week for five days, four nights. I was there for a yoga retreat. It was three 
times a day working out. It was with Karma Yoga. If either of you guys, if you guys live in either San Francisco or Austin, they have locations in both uh, both cities that are about to open their Austin location, I think in January. SF location has been opened for years now. It's in the Marina neighborhood off of Union and I think Buchanan across from the Starbucks and bus stop. Highly recommend going there. The owner, Carrie Bracken, is an everything of the sort girl. She's so fucking cool. I know several of the instructors there, Kaylin and Miranda, are the best. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys are interested, check out one of their classes, go to a studio, or also attend the retreat. There's spots opening up. It's, I'm going to be very, very frank. It's not for the weak hearted. If you don't like working out, you will not like this retreat because you're working out so consistently and so frequently and you don't get a break. And there, it's not just yoga. It's like high intensity interval training with yoga mixed in. So it's, it's intense, but you go, you go there ready to get your ass kicked and it will deliver. So we took it pretty easy the first couple of days because you're working out so intensely. The last thing you want to do is go out and drink. The last night, (laughs) was so fun so the last day of the trip me Miranda my friend and this other guy we met on the retreat we ended up going out for drinks and like tacos during the day and we were just really vibing with this guy so we decided to all go out like as a group we went to this uh restaurant called Heartwood in Tulum it's I think it's American owned it was the best service ever everyone there was so good looking so nice the food was incredible I kid you not the thing about me is I love a Caesar salad and this was the best Caesar salad I've ever had and I know people are like shut up it's a salad no I understand like it sounds stupid but Caesar salad was like kale and it was marinated it was like really well massaged so it didn't feel like really crunchy or hard textured it was like really well massaged kale with and instead of using like anchovies they use sardines I don't know it was like the best Caesar salad and everyone at the table was in agreement with me that it was so fresh and delicious we got a huge lobster we got steak it was fucking incredible <laughs> then we made our way towards this place called Arca Bar it's apparently like one of the best bars in the North America region admittedly the drinks weren't amazing when we first ordered but because we told them like hey this isn't like this is kind of watered down the staff was so apologetic and they ended up giving us like free shots the rest of the time we were there like three rounds of free shots it was so nice they were so cool and if they're listening shout out to you guys you guys are the best we then made our way to this club and I'm the thing about me is I don't like to go out I think I've talked about this many a time on the podcast when I was young I would I could go out with the best of them like I was like life at the party now I'm getting older I just don't like to go out (laughs) so we went to this bar well what I thought was a bar that ended up being a club and when I say club it's everything that you would imagine a Tulum club to be okay there was like fire dancers there were tables there were sparklers there were people like doing fucking backflip like it was insane uh and so both of my friends they kind of found people like hang out with and I met this guy and he was so fucking cute. He is like Canadian, but lives in Austin and he's like traveled the world. And he was like, honestly, so hot. (laughs) And we ended up like hanging out the rest of the night. And he was, it was just like, it was so funny because it was one of those nights where you're like, this was like the coolest, like this this doesn't really, I I don't know. I'm just not one of those girls now in my, this season of my life to like go out and be just like a crazy, a crazy person or like 
be uninhibited and be free. But it was just like one of those nights where it was so fucking fun. And he, it was so funny because the next morning my friend came back to the hotel room and she was like, are you guys best friends? Like what is going on here? You guys were like, we were just like, he was like the male version of me, the way that we were interacting. Like you're so judgy. Like, cause I'm also very judgy and it was just, it was so fucking funny. Sometimes we all just need a little bit of like a, a vacation reprieve. And luckily this person was very much it and like very hot. So was very into that. Uh, when I came back, I just felt a little bit after Tulum, I came back a little bit, I don't know, depleted. I think I traveling makes me a little bit sad sometimes when I come back I think I was also just feeling I was just very much in my feels and to be honest like there's a specific relationship in my life that's just it just hasn't been serving me in the way that I need it to be serving me anymore and it's kind of awkward because this person probably is listening but I'm just gonna go right in and say it there are some people in your life that you love to death that you want to be there for every step of the way and at the same time, if it no longer serves you, you need to be selfish and you need to step away. And I think that's what I've been kind of struggling with is knowing that as much as you want to be a part of this person's life and as much as you want to be around this person and talk with this person and know what they're doing every second of every, you know, of every day and you want to be kept aware, it just felt like it was becoming too unhealthy for me. And I had to be very frank with this person and say, I cannot do this anymore because it's driving me crazy now. This relationship is doing far more harm than it is good and I need to step away. And I don't think they took it that well. And I don't think we are on the same page about it. And that's okay because I think now if I can remove myself and take myself out of these feelings and be more selfish because I think we all deserve to be a little bit selfish some of the time, it opens up a opens us up to so many more opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have because I think some relationships can just they can bring you down whether or not you're willing to examine that or not or really be honest with yourself or not sometimes people are just bringing you down and holding you back from your potential of meeting other people or they're making you doubt yourself or they're making you question yourself it's I think it's healthy to just examine certain relationships that make you feel badly about yourself and take a step back and be like, is this, is this what I want? Is this what I want forever? And if it's not, then you have to kind of break away. So that's, I think that's honestly why I've, and I know I'm being kind of vague, but I think this is what I've been, and I'm kind of saying this out loud because I want to keep myself accountable to what it is I've been leaning into the past couple of days and why I'm feeling really down. And I think, as I said earlier, like the biggest thing about myself is that I re- value relationships and the people people in my life because the people in my life mean everything to me and they're what makes my world spin around and around and around and if people are bringing me down as opposed to bringing and lifting me up then I need to take a step back and re-examine so yeah I hope that some of you can resonate with this and understand where I'm coming from. I'm willing to bet that most, if not all of us, have had that person in our lives where we had to do the hardest thing and that was to step away. And I think it's really hard, but it means ultimately like more growth for you in the future. So I kind of want to end it at that. I appreciate you guys letting me in your earbuds this week and letting me process all this. It's been weighing on me really heavily. And I think 
as the days goes on, I have a lot to look forward to. I'm going to be in Denver in a week and a half. Uh, what else? I also need to plan a trip up to San Francisco sooner rather than later because I miss my San Francisco people. Um, I am also very much looking forward to just the holiday season and spending more time with my family and watching Christmas movies and being that basic bitch. Not a basic bitch that likes pumpkin spice lattes because I hate that shit, but I thank you guys for following along. And if you made it this far, why don't you shoot me um, an emoji of a bathing suit on my most recent Instagram post so I know that you made it <laughs> all the way through. And a bikini in, in salute to my trip to Tulum. Again, thank you all for listening. I very much appreciate it. I do want to give a quick five-star review shout out to people that aren't everything of the sort kind of girly. Let's give a shout out to Cox family. Love you so much. Thank you for the feedback. This was this is the way you leave constructive feedback, people. Cox family said that I need to be a little bit more organized with my thoughts, and I tried really hard this episode, so I hope it sh- you saw it through. Uh, a shout out to S-A-E-V-A-H. I don't know how to pronounce it and I don't want to botch it, but thank you for saying that I've grown and that you can see improvement in this podcast. That's all we're trying to do is just learn and be better than we were before, which is very much tangential to exactly what I was talking about in this podcast episode. So thank you so much for following along. If you love this podcast, please feel free to give it a five-star review. Or if you don't even want to write anything, just give me a five stars. Also, please, God damn it, follow me on Instagram. I need fucking followers and honestly the best way to support this show in in a free way is to follow me is to subscribe and is to leave a five-star review okay i love you guys so much thank you so much dm me let me know your thoughts bye